following is an edited repost of Park Hopping Podcast number 66 to correct three mistakes. Park Hopping Podcast number 66, back from Walt Disney World. Celebrating 11 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Hi there, this is Alan of DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 66, the podcast that proves anyone can have their own podcast. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, I took a look back at what it was like to be lining up for the 50th anniversary celebrations of Disneyland in California on July 17, 2005, and that prompted the following voicemail. Hey Alan, this is Brian Martzoff of the Mousing It Up Podcast. I was just listening to your episode about July 17, 2005, going to Disneyland. I was somewhere back there behind you. We were in the black checkered armband group. Uh, and um, actually, I heard the number 10,000. You said you didn't know how many there were of each color. I had heard the number 10,000 for each group. Don't know how accurate that is, but that's what I heard. I, at one point, I'd actually started to uh, take pictures of the armbands of a couple people. But, you know, I kind of felt funny about asking people to hold out their arms so I could take a picture of their armband. So I, I only ended up with, like, about three pictures of three different ones. Actually, it was nice uh, hearing the announcements in your episode where, where we were standing in front of Soren. I don't think the um, PA system kicked in. Uh, I don't remember hearing the hearing quite as well. Well, then again, it's been so long ago, I probably just forgot. So uh, I didn't remember what the various uh, armband colors were from that. And being able to hear it in your episode, you could tell exactly what they were. And uh, an acrossing from uh, Disney's California Adventure to Disneyland, uh, I think they actually had those uh, barricade-like things up uh, to keep the people out on each side. The, um, you know how they are at Disneyland. They almost look like bike racks with the, the way the rails are so close together, but they'll usually have those uh, kind of vinyl covers, covers over them with the um, rounded at each end. Um, but I think that's what they had to uh, funnel the people across. I think there really was some kind of things up on each side, not just cast members standing there. Well, I'm sure they had cast members to make sure people weren't hopping across the barricades. But uh, just thought I'd share that with you and uh, keep up the great podcast, and uh, I'll keep mousing it up. Bye for now. Hey, thanks a lot, Brian, for taking time to help refresh my memory here. Meanwhile... Today, we'll park hop back to the East Coast for some Walt Disney World action. Welcome back to the Park Hopping Podcast. I can tell from the complete lack of emails and voicemails that you didn't even notice I was gone, but but that's okay. I don't think I noticed either. It's been really busy. But I just returned from a week-long vacation to Orlando, so other than the normal post-vacation depression, uh, things are pretty spiffy right now. Now, I normally wouldn't have chosen this time of year to visit Orlando due to the still-present heat and the frequent rains and all that, but I really wanted to be out there at Epcot for its 25th anniversary on October 1st. I'd also have preferred spending a few more days out there than I was able to, but I had to squeeze my trip in between some work-related obligations. I flew out on Friday, September 28th, and returned home the following Friday, October 5th, so a fairly quick trip. 
Now, my girlfriend and I spent most of our time at Walt Disney World, but also managed a day at SeaWorld. In addition to the theme parks, we also investigated just what folks have to go through to buy those cheap theme park tickets. You know, you see those signs everywhere. In our case, it was an offer to get $140 worth of SeaWorld admissions for $22, simply by taking a tour and presentation of a timeshare resort. Now, that was pretty interesting. Uh, It was a real interesting experience, actually, and I'll talk more about that uh, later in a future episode. During my absence from posting podcast episodes, it looks like once again I've picked up a number of new subscribers. So here's some quick background for those of you that are new to this podcast. For the rest of you, just hit fast forward a couple of seconds. Now, I grew up taking annual summer vacations to Walt Disney World with my family starting back around 1975. Between 1995 and 2001, I had a job where I traveled for work, and I was out near Anaheim or Orlando several times a year. I had annual passes at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World and got to spend many, many evenings at the parks after work. Now, I stopped going to Florida in 1999 and didn't make it back out to Disney World until October 2006 for two brief evenings, then again in December for a full vacation. My experiences and opinions of the changes and additions to the parks between 99 and 2006 was covered at length in various podcast episodes last year. Now, 10 months later, I get to talk a bit more about further changes and further additions to the parks. The key things I plan to comment on include the updated boat ride at Epcot's Mexico Pavilion, the updated film at Epcot's Canada Pavilion, the updated Haunted Mansion at the Magic Kingdom, and the new Munsters, Inc. Laugh Floor at the Magic Kingdom. Now, that's a surprising amount of new or updated things for a short period of time, and there is even more than that. Uh, Disney MGM Studios' Rock and Roller Coaster reopened on our last day there, and it has a whole new queue area to, to accommodate Fast Pass and Single Riders much better than it did before. Several other rides have gone through similar queue updates, like Soren at Epcot. But those really aren't exciting topics to talk about, which is exactly why I probably will talk about them. I mean, this is a podcast, after all. Of course, there was the October first Epcot's 25th anniversary event, which included a special speech, a new museum display, a great fireworks finale, as well as some limited edition merchandise. On this day, I finally got to meet Werner from Yesterland.com face-to-face, which was fun after over a decade of exchanging emails with him. I also ran into a guy who was in charge of the flower and garden festival thing Epcot has each year, and he was there with a lady who was part of the Epcot opening day festivities 25 years earlier. So, so many stories from this day. And my friend Jed got to meet the voice of the original Dreamfinder who had been hanging around and also met Imagineering Ambassador Marty Sklar. I guess I just wasn't there at the right time for any of those encounters. I mean, some folks have all the luck, right? Come to think of it, I didn't even win any Year of a Million Dream stuff this trip. But I digress. Where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There was the Epcot Food and Wine Festival, which had just started the day before I arrived, apparently. And this thing cost me more money than I've probably ever spent during a Disney vacation. And uh, did I mention the PhotoPass folks? They are doing so much more now than they were last year. Just really exceptional stuff. I'm totally in love with PhotoPass and the services it offers to folks like me who never have pictures of themselves. Uh, There was also Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, which we attended twice, the first time mostly to hang out with my pal St. Chris and his crew from New Jersey, and the second time just to try to get a few more hours in the Magic Kingdom since it was closing as early as 7 o'clock and staying open as late as only 9 o'clock on the nights we were there. So it's it's really hard to see everything, even in a so-called half-day park like the Animal Kingdom, when they're closing it by 6 But we'll save that rant for a later time, or perhaps a disgruntled Disney Dweeb podcast episode. 
Of course, I did take some extra photos and shoot some extra video this trip, which I will have, uh, well, when I have time, I'll be adding about 12,000 new photos to the DisneyFans.com gallery. I also used a camera gadget that tracked the location where each photo was taken, a little GPS thing, and that's going to let me tie them into a Google map or something. I'll figure that out. If I can work it out, my photo galleries will eventually have a new link you can click on where you can see thumbnails of all the photos in a specific section, like Adventureland or whatever, and they'll actually be located on a map where the uh, images were taken. Now, I'm not sure how practical this is or what use it might be, uh, but it might be kind of fun. And if you want something else pointless, drop by DisneyFans.com and you can find updates. Um, I posted each night with links going to Google Maps showing my daily trips to and through the parks. Sometimes it was quite accurate showing us wandering up and down Main Street or even riding the ferry boat across to the parks. And when I have time, I'll get the logs cleaned up a bit and work out some kind of virtual trip report section for the website or something like that. And speaking of virtual trip reports, 10 years ago I experimented with posting text updates live from vacations using a Motorola PageWriter two-way pager. I've since posted live updates using various uh, cell phones that I had, and during this trip I actually started posting um, photos throughout the days using my iPhone to a special photo gallery, starting from the early morning departure here in the Des Moines, Iowa airport, to the layover in Memphis, Tennessee, to the arrival at Orlando, and the drive out to Walt Disney World and all of that. I tried to post an image for each event, whether it was going on a ride or seeing a show or having a meal. Again, this was just for fun and not something that serves any useful purpose. I just figure since I've already done things like 3D video, panoramic VR photos, and high-definition video, I might as well keep experimenting with something new. Now, for this trip, the HD video I shot was mostly the new attractions, the Halloween events, and the Epcot anniversary activities. I'd originally thought about posting the clips to YouTube as soon as I got back home, but over the weekend, my poor iTunes downloaded about 10 different copies of the Epcot speeches posted by other podcasts, so there's really no reason for me to waste my time posting yet another camera angle of the same thing. And speaking of other podcasts, I'm still a week behind in listening to the audio ones, so I'm just skipping most of them, but I'll assume the same audio has also been posted over and over on various podcasts as well, so I won't bother adding any further redundancy unless I come up with a different take on things or just feel like being redundant. So that's a bit about uh, what you can look forward to from DisneyFans.com and the Park Hopping Podcast in the coming weeks and months. Until then, I need to get back to work on some of the podcasts I'm being paid to do. I was so busy during August and September that I even had to miss a month, which is a pity. Uh, with as much money as I spent at the Food and Wine Festival, I sure could use some of that extra cash right about now. Now, if I had time, I could probably post a new Park Hopping Podcast episode every day for the next month or so and still not be caught up with all the topics and content I'd like to share. But fortunately for you, I rarely have enough time to even do a weekly show so your ears are safe for the time being. Of course, I did post and edit eight video podcasts from a local Halloween Scream Park. If you want to check that out, drop by SleepyHollowSportsPark.com or search for me in YouTube and you can find the uh, Screamcasts number 8 through 15 or whatever that I posted uh, this week. So until next time, uh, the next time you're there, be sure to take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, uh, because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate is going to go away and never be around again. Now, if you want to drop me a note, my email address is podcast at Disney fans. 
www.ghostbusters.com. And if you'd rather use the telephone, please dial 206-2030-ACP. That's for another crappy podcast. Again, 2030-ACP, area code 206. And leave me a voicemail. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 66, back from Walt Disney World. Thanks for listening, and real episodes coming up soon. Another Crappy Podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting (sighs) podcasts. You know, I almost hate to do this, but I've had several people who've written in that have commented on how they liked the part where I rambled at the end. So I'll probably start doing that once I think of anything to say. Oh, hey, that reminds me. One of the podcasts I actually did listen to was Rhett's Magical Vault podcast, episode four, called Walt's Original Epcot. And in it, he goes on to make a comment, much like I did here, about how all these different podcasts seem to cover the same thing and do the same show. You know, a new ride opens, so everybody plays the audio and you hear it over and over again, which is really frustrating if you're a regular podcast listener because you have to fast-forward through so much stuff you've already heard five or six times. Anyway, so there's my plug for the Magical Vault Podcast. Refreshing breath of air in an otherwise redundant world of Disney fan podcast. Let's see, what else is going on? Well, there's this Halloween spook house thing that happens out here every year. It's the place where we do the Des Moines Renaissance Fair, and for Halloween they do this massive, it's like the Disney World of Haunted Houses for Iowa, and they have like three haunted houses and food and eating and all kinds of cool stuff. So I did their TV commercial and programmed some animatronic systems for them and all kinds of stuff, and, and oh, well, the music's ending, so uh, see you later.